Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about harvesting. Nathan, what is harvesting and why should I give a damn? So, harvesting is something that is missing in a lot of D&D games where when you kill a monster how do you let's say it's just like a fucking troll or something and it doesn't have any horde how do you make a profit now under that question is the answer harvesting so basically harvesting is where you harvest a monster for parts and what's interesting about this is that you can if, if used correctly you can create all sorts of cool situations such as you defeat a dragon you get cool dragon skill shit um dragon claw stuff or dragon bone shit so it gives you as a dungeon master a whole bunch of different ways to reward the players for doing a thing and then also having their gear and such actually show um what they've done and gives them like it, it really just sort of gives the players that sense of wow I, I feel like i'm getting rewarded for my hard work um in terms of killing stuff so generally speaking harvesting is a case where maybe the player needs to make a survival check or something along those lines it's not really defined but as a result depending on what they get you as a dungeon master would have to be like okay you got a uh, an 18 you manage to harvest most of the skills get the um claws and such and one of the cool things about harvesting is that players have a carrying limit so they need to determine what do they think would be most useful and after they get all this raw material find someone who can do something with it and now that that's something that i find quite fun about this whole thing is that it really gives you that sort of um kind of you're questing out it this is particularly good for um more traditional like bare bones dnd without any goals where you just kind of like have cool shit that you can kill and then become stronger and can be used in more typical situations to show your deeds remy what's your take so I would actually debate some of that. So first off, the idea of harvesting, absolutely yes. Because as you were saying a moment ago, there's a lot of creatures in D&D that just don't drop loot. So having a way for more things to just be profitable in somehow or other is worth consideration. So what's honestly a little bit unusual is that there's next to nothing in any of the books about actually harvesting the only thing that kind of mentions it is there is a section in the dungeon master's guide for crafting and harvesting poison so that is the only thing in any book that actually gives any kind of number and even then it mentions that you can harvest poison from a poisonous creature has to be incapacitated or dead and requires 1d6 minutes followed by a dc20 nature check which is insane and stupid and too much so having a more reasonable set of numbers is the first thing that you should consider so honestly i would say making a chart would be a valuable thing here to create like different creatures of different dcs to decide how 
easy or difficult it is to harvest from different types of creatures. So maybe, you know, harvesting something like dragon scales, probably not actually that hard because it's just an enormous thing and it has more scales than you can carry anyway. So even if you mess up some of them, you're still going to have your carrying capacities worth. So dragons are actually probably easy to harvest, just fucking hard to kill. But then you've got, you know, other things like, you know, uh, I have to because it's me. If you were to kill a beholder, then to figure out, okay, can we harvest the eyes? And then maybe there is some mage that we could sell these to who wants the beholder eyes for magical experiments. Or maybe there is a way to like preserve a beholder's eyes to try to have them keep some of their magical effects, you know, or even just get used to put them into like a wander staff of, you know, whatever eye beam that I had. So deciding what you want to be harvestable and how hard it should be and how much value you get out of the things are the three topics that I would say would require thought and should require just because of my personal style, I would say, just planning ahead of time by the DM to make a chart of those three things. Just so, so on planning, like one big issue of this whole harvesting thing is that it, it essentially comes down to basically now you have to make so many charts of every single monster. No, no, so no, no, what no. I suggest, wait, what I suggest is basically find things that should have stuff like that. So dragons, legendary cool shit chart for harvesting cool shit. That's generally the gist of it. If it's something that is uncommon or has a particular ability that would work in a sort of, if you remove that bit, maybe somebody could use it. Well, that's cool. And like, there are certain other things that certainly appear in other pieces of media. For example, in in the uh, video game like The Witcher, you can harvest like organs and such, and you can use them to make potions. So what what if you killed a dragon and that you you carved out the dragon's heart? Maybe somebody wants to use that for some decoction or something. And you you can <laughs> just come up with a whole bunch of different things that you <laughs> imagine a player's like, okay, so what if we um what what we chop chop up this uh the, the dragon's the dragon's horn? Uh, maybe somebody wants it. Ground up for aphrodisiac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but. Ugh, I'm a Harry Potter nerd, so I just have to mention quick tangent. Dragon heart string is one of the most common cores for a wand in the Harry Potter world. So maybe, you know, that could be the same in D&D and that, you know, a dragon heart could be a very important ingredient when making a wand or even a staff. So to have like wands or staffs more interesting even by having, you know, a creature component added in could be a lot of fun. And oh, wait, wait. Something that just hit me is uh, if you had known uh, abilities and like known items that can be crafted from certain things that have very specific, well-known properties. Well, players would freaking slobber. They're like, like they see a dragon. We gotta fucking kill it. We're gonna get the horn and then make it into a magic sword that we can kill shit with. I don't know what it'll do, but it'll be awesome. Yeah, exactly. And it creates all these cool opportunities that you can just wow players with stuff that they feel like they've earned because they killed it. And something else just came to mind for me for that that is horribly dangerous, but would absolutely be done by players. So wild magic in 5th edition and really all D&D is a hotly debated topic 
because it is by its nature chaotic. But one of the uh, most asked questions that I would say a DM gets is, can I eat it? And that is definitely something that I would suggest is worth consideration for harvesting to just think, okay, are dragons edible first off? And then also, is it okay to eat them because they're sentient creatures and like shape-shifting fully, you know, smart, nice beings if you go into the metallic side of things. So what you can eat and if it's okay to eat it, it's also kind of a fun question. But I mentioned the wild magic, though, for a particular consideration. Aberrant creatures are weird by their very nature. So if you were to kill something like a beholder, it's not impossible that some player might wonder, what happens if I eat a piece of it? And I would also honestly be a little curious just what would happen if someone did try to, you know, eat a beholder or a mind flayer or an abolith. Like maybe, like maybe like it's one of those just weird magics where it just it tastes like whatever you expect it to taste like somehow. And so for most people, it just tastes like chicken. However, the wild magic is where I want to lean into when it comes to an aberration, because they're weird. They literally are just from elsewhere. And that elsewhere is just a very vague, you know, area or place or what have you. So if you were to just tell your players that if you eat aberration meat, you roll on a wild magic table, that can be fucking fun and very, very dangerous because you never know what's going on. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it at one point, but I have my own table that I like using that I found online. It is a D10,000 list of chaotic magic effects. And so this is the one that I use anytime that just some particularly weird things happen. So I actually have just like an in-game holiday in my own world that is pretty much just like a bunch of people in a row eat meat that causes just wild magic effects. And then there's just a crowd to just watch and see what happens. And things that I have actually seen come up in my games from my wild magic chart. A random nearby person turns into water. The person's right hand becomes invisible to undead. The next bridge the person crosses turns into chocolate. Like It's a fucking weird list. So could you imagine just like if that's the kind of thing that your players have seen, they're very curious what else is on the list. So players in my games often just like look, go out of their way, trying to find ways to trigger wild magic because it's so fucking weird. Yeah, I I can imagine just like you're just like oh nothing happened, and then like twenty years down the line something yeah. crazy happens. It's just why? And it's like wait a second, <laughs> so many years back. Yeah, so that actually is what happened. So if the whole the next bridge you cross turns into chocolate, that was one that I actually had in my game. So they ate this, and it was I want to say something like a year and a half after the fact that they actually was the next time the character crossed a bridge. <laughs> And they're like, what the fuck happened? Well, do you remember way back then when you ate that? <laughs> Seriously? So also, though, to keep things a little bit more fair, they don't know what happened if it is something instantaneous. But what I do use is that the magical effect can be identified with the identify spell. 
So they can choose to find out what might happen, but most of the time they just don't because they're just curious to see what will happen. They don't know if there's a trigger. They don't know if it's something passive, but yeah, having a series or just a larger wild magic table can be a lot of fun. So having that just be available and then if they do just eat aberration meat to know, all right, you can do this, but it's possible that you might just grow, you know, a third eye on the back of your head or on the palm of your hand or that, you know, your right arm might turn into a tentacle that can extend up to 10 feet. Just like giving players choices where they know there's a possibility of good, bad or strange things happening is absolutely something that I do recommend making more available. Anyway, sorry, that was honestly a bit of a tangent just on harvesting aberration meat. But uh, going back to the main topic at hand. So how I would define the actual charts in terms of what creatures are available. As much as I love charts, I would not have it be by creature just because that is too many. On the other hand, what could be very useful is to make charts by creature type. So have a harvesting beasts, harvesting aberrations, harvesting dragons, and, you know, harvesting humanoids. Like, in oh, terms of fucked. those categories. Can you imagine? Other- it's just like, your your party kills a guy in the streets, and it's like, okay, can, can I harvest it? Oh, oh, yes, technically you can. And then you just have this odd scene where you just see people cutting into this, like, random tug named out on the street. And it's just like, the, the, the guards come and start fighting the party it's like why why are you attacking you you mutilated his body <laughs> no hold on nathan yes no 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 like having there be human harvesting is a thing in D. there are lots of evil magic users who do terrible shit to people but the question that is not, not asked is how how do they always get you know brains in jars and human oh, hearts and all point, of those things it? So there has to be a black market in certain places for human organs. Not to mention, you know, we do talk at times about how certain magical diseases and such should be harder to cure. So maybe there could be like a kind of blood magic ritual to cure certain diseases, but it requires like a magically treated human liver to be consumed to be cured. Like... I, could you imagine if there was an evil magic user who made diseases that, to be cured, required doing an evil act by the person who is sick? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> right? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And but anyway, so that's just having human harvesting be an option. The point being, if you have it just by type, that gives you a series of charts, but I feel does at least prevent you from going too overboard because there are only so many creature types. And if you just had one chart by each and then maybe if you really wanted to go into farther detail, you can even have it be harvested and then like by CR. So maybe like a stronger creature is just going to have the more valuable whatever the thing to be harvested is. So like an ancient dragon heart is probably going to be larger and more valuable. I mean, probably, yeah. Or That's uh, a thing that, stuff like that, like tiger bullshit. Yeah, tiger blood. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't also like ground elephant tusk also an aphrodisiac. Oh no, rhino horn. That was what I was thinking. Rhino horn. Yeah. So if you have, you know, minotaur horns also be, you know, thought of as viral, you know, viral by certain people, that could be a thing. <laughs> but just to imagine. Hey, hey just, who, who knows? Like certain things could just be delicacies in certain yeah, parts of the world. That's absolutely true. Like maybe dragon meat just is a delicacy just so someone can say, I ate part of a fucking dragon. That honestly would check out. Like to me. How just, do you think dragon meat would taste like? Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I'm not sure. It would also probably depend on how old a dragon. But the thing yeah, is, I would imagine that like the older a dragon is, like the more magically saturated its meat would get because dragons are just powerfully magical creatures. So I would imagine that like it would kind of balance out. Like it would probably be like the super like well marbled, just delicious steaks. However, I might even say that like an ancient dragon might also trigger a wild magic effect because it is so magically saturated. But maybe I would just have like a, you know, a separate chart or just, you know, less bad things available just because it might just be more, you know, chaotic or good just depending on the type of dragon meat even. Like maybe maybe that could actually be a use of alignment is that it might just trigger like which chart you roll on. Like maybe you have like an ab like a you know mutation chart for like an evil dragon and aberrations and like just one that is a more balanced for just you know more neutral creatures and then you could also have you know that type of thing used for maybe if you have you know super dire beasts like you know excluding the troll because that's technically a humanoid because well or monster it's what a troll is it's honestly something that should get debated a lot more. No, giant. I think it's technically a giant, actually, on the third thought. Yeah, it is. I, I, I think so. Yeah. But the point being that they are, you know, actually, whether any sentient should be harvested is another thing that you could use in terms of your world building side of thing. So a troll is a sentient creature, and their regeneration is one of the most potent effects in the game. So I could very easily imagine there being a massive market 
amongst, you know, magical researchers for trolls or troll blood even to just mm. experiment or to find out, okay, so a ring of regeneration is a legendary magic item that exists. So is that something like that, you know, has that effect because, you know, it is made through like the sacrifice of a troll and it's really fucking hard to capture a live troll considering their regeneration would constantly wake them up. So to capture that would explain part of the difficulty in manufacturing such a magic item, you know, or, you know, maybe it's just a thing where you need to just bleed out like a hundred gallons of troll blood over just some stupid amount of time. And then you just come across this trapped troll with just spikes through its arms and legs and torso. And just it sees the party, you know, as they stumble in and just kill me. And just like holy shit would that be a thing just like could you imagine the dilemma of just putting that in part of in front of a party just a creature that just is so suspended just begging for death honestly like, but if, if it was our party and stuff it, it, it kill it <laughs> just kill it <laughs> now hold on just a moment why are you in such a setup oh really that's how that's made fascinating Let's go, gentlemen. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. The <laughs> It's just like trapped. Oh, man. Everyone leaves. <laughs> let us go. Such an asshole. He's <laughs> like, let us go kill some trolls now. Uh, and he's no, like, no. Imagine just like go off and just kill the wizard and just leave the troll there even after oh, knowing no. the magic item won't fit. It's just trapped it's there forever. Oh gosh! It's like there can actually you those, is like, sand trees down the line. Oh, man. Like especially because there are actual magical items too, like and just features to not need to eat and drink anymore. Like they just become sustained by magic. So could you imagine, like just like a smart evil wizard setting this up on their research subjects, or like even as a ward in an area where like people just don't need to eat and drink anymore, and then they can just be stuck there forever, but unable to starve to death. Uh, what I was thinking is that all the food from the, those things is just like troll meat, and it's like, oh, you're eating people. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's another thought. Like, trolls' whole shtick is that if they eat things, they have a chance of taking on the trait. So, could, would it make sense then to do like the mirror version of if a human, you know, were to eat just you know bits of troll, would there be like a one percent chance? that like the human succeed in taking the trolls regeneration only if they roll like a hundred on a d100 like to like there are some unique creatures that do deserve their own consideration but for the most part separating it out by types would work and you know if you have something like a construct you know if you have warforged in your world then usually their eyes are often defined as being gemstones in a lot of versions though it's certainly not all so that could be the thing of value or maybe do constructs have a core of some type that might be of value? Or is, you know, the magically treated wood that makes up, you know, their joints and limbs, you know, just of value to certain artificers and such. So having just a general idea by creature type should be sufficient for that side of the chart. So the next question then is value. How valuable do you want harvestable things to be? Generally speaking, the harder, like the harder it is to come by these sorts of things, or the harder it is to harvest these sorts of things, the more pricey it should be, as a baseline. Yeah, 
And what's fun, though, is that you can also just come up with some modifiers to that of just, okay, how plentiful is the thing? How big is the thing? So, like, if you were to somehow, you know, take out an ancient dragon, that thing's fucking enormous. So even assuming you did have, you know, multiple bags of hold, like if everyone in the party has their own bag of holding at that level. So even filling those things up, you know, using the you know canonical bag of holding, that is like that would still fill really fast. So you could still only carry so much. But the point being, if you have, you know, five bags of holding full of, you know, dragon scales, dragon meat, you know, dragon heart, dragon eyes and brain, you know, whatever you decide is the harvestable stuff then it's worth consideration that, okay, you have a fuck ton of the stuff. So are you going to find a buyer who is able to do something with all of that? Do you need to have, you know, either, you know, uh, alchemical knowledge or some sort of magical item to like preserve stuff? Or are you just on a timer of just like, ah, shit, it'll take a week to get to town. There's no, all this meat is going to go bad. Shit. There's there's even plot stuff where it's like, oh, the the market's gonna crash because of all these new dragon skills coming in. Yeah, and then it's possible that maybe you can get like cheap, like maybe like you know you find out later that there's some other adventuring party that just had gone through that town. Like, yeah, we found like some dragon scale armor made. It was cheaper than I've ever heard of it. I guess there was just some glut in the market recently. <laughs> like to just think about like the actual economics of the world and supply and demand. I'll be honest, that's probably going a little bit too far for like a basics of harvesting, but it's something yeah, that can be worth thinking about. Of just like I would worry more about it from the seller point of view. So if you have all this stuff, how long until it goes bad? Is there, you know, magic, magic item or just, you know, a skill check of some kind that you could do to preserve it a little bit better? And just how do you sell the quantity that you have? Like, do you have like a higher magic world where you have like uh, teleportation circles in major cities? So could you like try to like spend, you know, a thousand gold or something to just go like teleport, 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 teleport and just like hire like teleportation circles to like try to hit all the major cities to sell your stock before they found out that you sold it to all the other cities. And then you have that element of time for trying to get rid of your supply. And like we've said a few times by now, timers add tension. And just to think, okay, maybe you are able to, you know, sell just this massive quantity of stuff to, you know, a single buyer to just take everything off your hands, but you're only able to get like a third of the value than if you had taken, you know, time to sell, but it's then a trade-off of, you know, effort versus just immediate reward. And it is honestly a subject that could really just dominate the time in a game. So this is definitely something that should be considered of how simple or complicated do you want such a system to be? Or do you actually want to build a game, like an, an entire campaign yeah. around that idea? Because that'd be an amazing could, premise. And that'd be pretty cool. So that'd be an entire kind of variation to, you know, a Monster Hunter campaign where the whole shtick is like you are trying to either hunt valuable creatures or you might be part of a guild who just gets assigned. We need to get X creature. Good luck. Like there's many different ways that you could do such a thing. 
like what I can see for for such a campaign is that you start out as a bunch of monster hunters getting the goods, and then you get enough money to be like, okay. It's time. We've made enough money. Let's start our own business. And then you just have this thing where you have operations and stuff going on. And then you go find, um, like, scout out places for certain monsters and stuff. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. And that honestly might not be a bad idea of just like graduation. Like, you move on from monster hunting, where you're just trying to help places out by dealing with something dangerous, to just, okay. You know, we are all now level, you know, eight, level 10, whatever. Like, we are now stronger than most things potentially, you know, around. So that would give us more power and flexibility in our choice of tasks. So then we could just, you know, either move up in the world, depending on if you make like tiered guilds, which, oh man, guilds are cool. But anyway, uh, I don't remember. Have we actually talked about guilds? That might. Oh, or, that's or a factions? possible future thingy. Yeah, on the list. Anyway, or if you do want to start your own, because there actually are rules for different factions kind of scattered about, but to decide whether that is just something your guild has, or if you do want to start one, because as we have talked about in the past, 5th edition by rules as written doesn't actually have a whole lot of options listed on how to spend your gold. Because by rules as written, magic items are not easily available to just purchase. They're, you know, rare, mysterious things that you find in dungeons, blah, 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 blah. But if you did want to just take more advantage of, okay, we don't have a lot of uses for our gold, starting a guild would be fucking cool. So then you then have, okay, you know, you as the DM can just kind of you know, hand wave, there are, you know, stories, you know, that get sent to, you know, get sent to you about various creatures that are troublesome. And you can then just choose and know, okay, there's a troll troubling this village. There is a, you know, gelatinous cube, you know, in some cave over here. There's a, you know, a boulette, a land shark, one of my other just favorite creatures that I probably don't talk about often enough, that is, you know, troubling some farming village. And then, like, oh shit, you know, trolls are cool, but they're really fucking hard to put down alive, so that's not worth the effort. But, you know, that boulette, you know, that's, you know, a creature with a strong hide that would actually probably be very valuable to a certain, you know, druid circle if they could get that hide made into armor for themselves. You know, or if, you know, you have something like a giant crab, something like that, where they could, like, potentially make a plate armor for druids out of its shell. And then you can have connections to various factions in the world through this harvesting so it is such a flexible versatile subject in how it can be implemented how much value you can get out of it that it is very much worth consideration for dms to plan out some system for their own use to take advantage of those benefits for their own game thanks for listening to this episode of refs and rules Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Tier stars those a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Support us get benefits such as behind the scenes content, only access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where we will chat with the cast, and even a shout out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook at Riffwake, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Podcast. And now send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs and rules at gmail.com.
Thanks for listening. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.